but the scripture only gives us reference of one that was thankful enough to come back and thank the Lord. Uh, All were under the same circumstance. All ten were lepers. All were given the same blessing. All were healed. But only one returned to offer thanks unto Christ. Now this truly is a picture of our society today. Our attitude of thankfulness should not be anchored around our circumstances. After all, God is, is, is God only good when things are going well? That's a good question. Is God only good when things are going well? What about in times of death? Is God not good in times of death? This week I sat, and, sat down and spoke with, with Claude and Hazel in their home. And they spoke to me of, of the passing of their daughter Pamela. And Pamela is in heaven tonight with, with the Savior. And she, she looks down upon her mother and father, I'm sure with great joy, that they're sitting here in this place tonight. And even though there was that great loss in their life, I know that Claude and Hazel considers God to be very good. Matter of fact, they spoke to me about how good God was to them in that time and in how, how strong he was and helped them through that difficult time. Uh, is in times of sickness, is God not good? I, I think of Brother Larry Jefferson and, and, and the many trials he goes through with his health. And yet, if you speak to Brother Jefferson, he will tell you how good the Lord is. Even in times of death, in times of sickness, in times of sorrow and great tribulation, God is good. God is always good to us. And we ought to be thankful unto him. Now, with the time that I have tonight, allow me to share just a few thoughts, just some reminders. Not, this is nothing that we don't already know, but just a few reminders concerning the things that we should be thankful for. Number one, let me say this, we should be thankful for salvation. We should be thankful for salvation. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 In verse 15, Paul writes, Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. How many of you here have ever done something for someone and you did not even get a thank you for it? Any of you ever do something for someone and it it just seemed as though It was something you were obligated to do. No one said thank you. No one showed any appreciation. Now, you probably did not do what you were doing in order to get thanks. You probably did not do that deed so that someone would recognize you or give you thanks. But answer a question for me. Isn't it nice when people say thank you? It is nice, isn't it? It is nice that someone noticed you did something kind, and you go, they go over and they say, thank you for that. Uh, I, occasionally I observe Christians doing nice things for other Christians. And I know, they, I, I know they're not doing it to receive accolades of men, but when I see that, I'll usually go up to that person and I'll say, I noticed what you did, and thank you. That was a very kind thing to do. It's important that we say thanks. Now consider God for a moment tonight. Paul called salvation God's unspeakable gift. Now, what exactly does that mean? I studied this in the Greek language this week, 
And what I discovered is that what Paul is trying to say is that there are no words, there are no words that can aptly describe the gift that God gave us. That is what he means by unspeakable. It's impossible. It is impossible for me to stand here tonight and put into words, I lack the eloquence to put into words how great a gift God gave to us. The unspeakable gift of God. Now, I want to say something tonight, and I want you to understand something. God doesn't expect the world to be thankful. Turn with me to John chapter 1. The scripture is not on the PowerPoint. John chapter 1, and look with me at verse number 10. We read here, He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. Now look at verse 11. He came unto His own. And his own received him not. Now, you know, verse 10 is not the sad verse. Because God does not expect the world to be thankful. The sad verse is verse 11. The verse 11, he says, he came unto his own. In other words, he came for his own. He came for the elect of God. But his own received him not. That's the sad thing. God has to experience on a regular basis what I was talking about a moment ago, the thanklessness of his own children. Again, God does not expect the world to be thankful unto him, but he does ask that his children be thankful unto him. And we should be thankful. We should be thankful for the magnitude of salvation, for the unspeakable gift of God. But how can we show our thankfulness to God for this gift of salvation. Let me share a couple things with you real quickly. First, we can show our thankfulness to God by acknowledging God's prerogative in salvation. I said we can show our thankfulness to God by acknowledging God's prerogative in salvation. Now this can be done by laying the entire weight of our salvation on Christ alone and ascribing unto him all the glory of it. In Ephesians chapter 1, we read from verses 3 through 7, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. I said we can demonstrate our thankfulness to God by acknowledging his prerogative in salvation by ascribing all glory unto God. You know, I fail to understand how men who claim to believe in salvation by grace can detest and hate the doctrines that so amply give God the glory in salvation. I'm amazed at that. I'm amazed at how men who say, I believe and honor God, can become so vehement when someone stands and acclaims all and ascribes all glory unto God in salvation. 
What seems to be the problem here? After all, we're only claiming that all the glory and all the authority and salvation belongs to God. And we ascribe no part and we ascribe no glory unto man in this matter. All the glory belongs to God. And we can show our thankfulness to God for his salvation, for his unspeakable gift. We can show his thanks by acknowledging that truth to God. That all glory, all honor is his in salvation. But we can also demonstrate our thankfulness to God for this gift, secondly, by applying God's principles in our lives. By applying God's principles in our life. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul writes in verses 11 and 12, As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father doth his children, that ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. We can show God our thankfulness by, by walking worthy of God, by walking as his children. If we are God's children then we should behave like God's children. We should walk worthy of our Father. Now, there are certain things in my life, there are certain things I won't do. And the reason I won't do them is because my Father, and I'm not talking right now about my Heavenly Father, but my my fleshly Father, my earthly Father, would not approve. My Father told me when I was growing up, He always told me, Son, I'm not a wealthy man. I can't leave you possessions or money. The only thing I can give you is our name. He always told me, my grandfather was an honorable man. My father was an honorable man. I've lived to try to be an honorable man. Son, I can give you a good name, but what you do with that name from this day forward is up to you. And folks, as God is my witness, I will go to my grave giving everything I have to making sure I honor my father's name. And I've told my son many times, son, you bear the name of men who are honorable men, and I pray and I beg of you, don't dirty that name. And I bear the name of my heavenly Father today, and it is my duty and it is my responsibility to walk in such a way that I bring honor under the name of my Father. I should not walk in such a way as to bring reproach to the name of Christ. Walk worthy, Paul said. Walk worthy of God. We can show our thankfulness to God by, first, by by acknowledging God's prerogative in salvation. Secondly, by applying God's principles in our life. And then thirdly, by aiding God's people in their burdens. By aiding God's people in their burdens. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. We read, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. We can can demonstrate to God our thankfulness for this unspeakable gift by being kind and by being generous to one another. By loving God's children, by aiding God's people. In John chapter 13, John writes, A new command, or God, Christ speaks, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. 
as I have loved you. Well, that's a statement right there. As I have loved you, that ye love one another. I could, I could literally park right here and preach for days on the love of Christ, the way in which Christ has loved us. That's how we're to love each other. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. We can show our thankfulness for our salvation tonight. We can show our thankfulness by acknowledging God's prerogative in salvation, by applying God's principles, by walking worthy of God, and by aiding God's people, by showing kindness and love to one another. So first tonight, we should be thankful for salvation. Secondly tonight, let me remind us that we should be thankful for family. We should be thankful for family. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Then we switch over to Ephesians chapter 6 and begin at verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers... Provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Let me say, we cannot succeed in our homes unless we follow God's plan. The reason marriages, the reason homes are are being destroyed across this nation is because people have gotten away from God's instructions for the home. People have stepped away from God's plan. And because of that, we suffer in America. Now, what is God's plan for our homes? How can we demonstrate to God our thankfulness for our family? Well, we can demonstrate it by following his plan. What is his plan? First, wives, submit. Wives, submit. Now, ladies, understand this. Your desire to rule your husband comes naturally. It's a natural thing. It's as natural as apples growing on apple trees. Women desire to control their husbands. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 16... The Lord spoke unto Eve and said, Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. That phrase there, thy desire shall be to thy husband, literally means your desire will be to rule your husband, but he will rule you. It's a natural thing, ladies. It's not natural for women to submit. That's why the Lord had to remind you ladies to submit. He said, wives, submit. Okay? But to husbands, uh, he said, husbands love. He he, he had to tell the husbands to love. Uh, In verse number uh, 25, he said, husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ loved the church. Husbands, now ladies, give your husbands a break here. It's genetic. It's genetic. I'm sorry, but 
Our ability to overlook you, our ability to take you for granted is genetic. Now, when you're dating your future wife, you don't ever forget her. You remember her all the time. But for men, for some reason, you know what? For men, it's like having, it's like having a $5 bill in your pocket. How many, guys, how many of you have ever found money in your pocket and you said, Oh, hey, look what I have. Yeah. There have been times when I pulled a jacket out of the closet and reached in the pocket and said, Oh, look at here, money. Now, money is valuable, and we love money. We need money. But we overlook it at times. It's genetic, women. I'm sorry. Husbands have to be reminded to love. Just like wives have to be reminded to submit, husbands have to be reminded to show love. We do love, but we forget to show it. So husbands, show love. Uh, Children, obey. Children, obey. Um, Do your children a favor and teach them to obey. Because if you look again at the scripture that's up there in Ephesians 6, 1, 4, is it still up there? No, it's not. That's okay. Don't try to bring it up. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. What's the promise? Can anyone know? That thy days may be long upon the earth. God promises children who are disobedient and dishonoring to their parents, God promises them a shorter life. You want to do your children a favor, teach them to obey. Teach them to obey you. Teach them to obey their teachers in school. Teach them to obey adults in general. Teach them to say sir and ma'am and mister and missus. Teach them to show respect unto authority. We have a generation today out there that has no respect for authority. None. And that's because parents stopped doing it God's way. Wives are to submit. Husbands are to love. Children uh, are to obey. But fourthly, fathers are to instruct. Fathers are to instruct. Now, you know, I wish I could stand up here and tell you that I'm a perfect father. I know I'm not. Uh, you know, confession's good for the soul. This afternoon, I got home, and I, was a, I got a little upset with one of my kids. They're not kids anymore. They're young adults. I still call them kids. They'll always be my kids. And, and I got out of line with one of my kids, and I treated him very poorly. And when I got to church here, and I sat down in my office, uh, it's almost like the Lord said, you're going to stand up there tonight, and you're going to say, Father's instruct. And my heart was broken. I picked up my phone and I called her and I said, I'm sorry. I was wrong. I treated you very poorly and I apologize. I wish I was perfect. I wish I could say I've always been perfect with my children. And you know what? Dad's in this room. I'm sure you could say the same thing I'm saying right now. But it's our job to instruct. It's our responsibility to instruct our children. And by the way, it doesn't matter how old your children are. They're still your responsibility. You see, a lot of dads like to say, well, my kids are over 18 now. I'm not responsible for what they do. I don't believe that. I don't care if my children are in their 30s. I think I'm still their father, am I not? Doesn't God still expect me to instruct my children? I think he does. Now, the world and the court may say, you're not responsible for them anymore, but I have to stand before a higher judge. I have to stand before my Heavenly Father. 
And I have to give a reason for why when they turned 18, I turned my eyes the other way and just let them start doing whatever they wanted to do and didn't interject my fatherly prerogative. Hey, moms, hey, dads, they're still your children. And they're still your responsibility. And it's a, it's a poor mom and a poor dad that says, well, they're older now. It's not my responsibility anymore. I'm sorry. Whose responsibility is it then? They're always going to be your children. My dad still does. Let me tell you, my dad doesn't hesitate to tell me when I'm out of line. I'm 40. I'm 40 how old am I? I'm 49 years old. I'm 49 years old. My wife can tell you, my dad still sticks his nose in our business. I'm 49 years old. My dad will still tell me, son, you ought to not be doing this. And you know what? I thank God he does. Because he's got some wisdom, and I ought to listen to him. Uh, You know, we get the idea that once we turn 50 or 40 or 30, we don't have to honor our parents anymore. I'm sorry, they're still your parents. You're still to obey them. You're still to honor them. Teach your children to obey. I have a story from when I was a young man. If Most people today would, would think my dad should have been put in prison for this. When I was, when I was about 15 years old, I thought, I thought my britches were a little too big. And I did something I shouldn't have done, and I deserved a, a whipping. And my dad, at the age of 15, my dad said, Son, bend over. I looked him straight in the eyes, and, I, and, and he only stood about this tall to me by then. I was a football player. I mean, I was in, I was, I was in big, good shape. I looked him straight in the eyes, and I said, you're not spanking me anymore. My father said, son, have it your way. And with, a, with an uppercut, a right uppercut, he caught me right on the chin, and I went out like a light. When I came to, my mother was washing my face with a rag, and she was crying. And my father so gently reached down and moved her aside. He pointed his finger at me. He said, stand up. And I stood up. And he said, bend over. And I bent over. I'm 49 years old. If my daddy walked in here and said, you've been a bad boy, bend over. (laughs) Because I love my father. And I honor my father. And it's time we get children back on that page. But fathers, before we're going to get our children to obey us and honor us, we've got to be honorable men. We've got to be men that deserve to be respected and men that deserve to be honored. Are you thankful for your family today? If you're thankful for your family, are you, are you taking your responsibility? Are you fathers and husbands? Are you doing what you should do? Or are you hiding behind the excuses the world are hiding behind? Well, if you're thankful for your family, then get in there and be the dad and be the husband you ought to be. Let's show them that we love them. Then number three, what should we be thankful for today? Quickly, we should be thankful for church. We should be thankful for church. In Psalm 122 and verse 1, we read, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. We should be thankful for church. I don't know about you today, but I praise the Lord for my church. Today was my day off. 
I got in here about 8 o'clock this morning. And I stayed here till whatever time my wife and daughter came pick me up today. We went, and, we went and got her wedding dress. Her wedding dress is at the house. You can't see it. I love this church. I love Berean Baptist Church. I just love being here. Uh, on days off, I, I just find myself here. Because this is where I love. I, I love the church. Now, what do we find in the local church? I want to give you two important things you find in the church. First, we find faith. We find faith. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But one may argue, I don't need to be in church to hear the word of God. That's true. But consider the other scripture I'm going to read from the word of God. Hebrews chapter 10. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. Uh, We find faith through hearing the word of God, and this is preaching. And we know that God loves preaching. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21, we read, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Where do we go to hear preaching? We go to the church. I love my church. Do you love your church tonight? If you love your church, are you thankful for your church? If you're thankful for your church, you'll tithe to that church. You'll labor in that church. You'll serve in that church. We're to be thankful for church. What else do we find in church? Not only faith, but secondly, we find fellowship. Acts chapter 2, verses 44 through 47, we read, And all that believed were together, and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. We see that fellowship of the believers. They they sold everything they had and, and brought all their money together for the common good of all. They were in fellowship. And in church we find fellowship. I praise the Lord for Mr. Andrew's testimony on Sunday afternoon. If you were not here to hear that testimony, then then you need to make sure you get a copy of that testimony. I praise the Lord for for his testimony. Pastor and I sat in the office Monday morning and talked about it. I agree with him. I need you. I need each one of you. Every one of you. I need you. I need Mac to come in the door on Sunday mornings and remind me that Oklahoma is doing better than LSU. I need Mac to do that. I need Claude to remind me that he and Hazel are my new grandparents. I don't have any more grandparents. They're my grandma and grandpa now. I need Jack over here to remind me that I can still be good looking when I get old. I need everybody. And guess what? Whether you believe it or not, you need me. We need each other. We're all part of a body. I need every little piece of my body. Two years ago, 4th of July picnic. Remember that, Eric? We were standing there talking. I was cutting open the bag of charcoal. Remember that? And I was talking to Eric, and my knife was sharp. 
And I brought that knife up. And when I brought that knife up, Erica's eyes went. He said, you know you cut your finger? <laughs> I looked down there. The end of my thumb was gone. I took, I took the, the skin right off the end of it. it. I looked on the knife blade, and it was there. So I took it and put it back on and taped it up, and we tried to make it stay. It didn't work. You know that hurt? That really hurt. That was just a little bit of my thumb. But it hurt. And it reminded me for many days that it hurt. You see, none of us are, are too insignificant in the body. We need each other. In church, we find fellowship. My wife and I tomorrow will will celebrate Thanksgiving with our children, and uh, we don't have any local family, physical, genetic, I should say. But you're my family. I told our men at our men's breakfast Saturday, you are my family. You're my brothers. You're my grandparents. You're my uncles. You're my friends. We need each other, and we find fellowship in the church. Are you thankful for the church? Then let's live our lives throughout the year like we are thankful for our church. And then lastly tonight, we should be thankful for ministry. We should be thankful for ministry. In Acts chapter 5, verses 41 and 42, we read, And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach, Jesus Christ. We should be thankful for the opportunity to serve. Thankful for the ministry. We have a motto here, and it is this. Every saint a servant, every member a minister. You know, one of the things I love about our pastor, he doesn't doesn't believe he's above anyone else. Boy, you got some of these preachers running around the country. Let me tell you something. You better not step on the platform when they're up there. Because it's like, it's like Uzzah touching the ark. They'll strike you dead. How dare you step on the same platform as me? You know, I love our pastor for that very reason. Pastor Smith doesn't believe he's any more important than anybody else. He's just another, he's just another servant in this church. He's just another minister. But so are you. Every saint a servant. Every member a minister. Do you serve in this church? You should. There's enough ministries to where everyone can be involved. Let me read off our ministries for you. Well, we have the adult choir. Brother Gary, can you use a few more voices in the choir? Amen. Amen. That's right. We have the auditorium Bible class. Uh, You know, we need people to come and hear the teaching. We can all go out and invite people to come and hear the teaching in in the adult Bible class and in the forum class. We have have the bus ministry. Uh, We have the children's choir. We have the Christian school ministry. We have the greeters ministry, the ladies ministry. Uh, Here's one that's not very popular, the landscaping ministry. We have the maintenance ministry. Mr. Evans can always use help. I praise the Lord for Mr. Evans. Something breaks down around here, I tell Mrs. Smith, call Mr. Evans. And, and, And I'll tell you, within 48 hours, it's fixed. Mr. Evans, I don't think you mind me saying this, he's getting old. He needs some help. He needs some young men that's going to step up and say, I will help you. You you call me when something needs to be done, and I'll be here, and I'll help you. Uh, We have the missions ministry. We have the music ministry. We have the nursery ministry. 
Uh, we have the Sunday school ministry for the children on the other side. The social committee. We have the pioneer club. We have the sound ministry. We have the ushers ministry. The video ministry. We have visitation programs. We have the youth ministry. And this is, this is beneath each one of these major ministries, we have sub-ministries. Every member a minister. Are you thankful for our church? Are you thankful for the ministries of our church? Well, don't be just a spectator. Get involved. Find something to do. There are so many things we need to do around here. There are so many things. We have, we have seven or eight college-age members, single, single college-age members who come to our church. They have no ministry. They don't have a class to meet as a group. They don't have any kind of fellowship or activities for themselves as a group. Is it any wonder why our young people go off into the world to make friendships and sometimes make friendships that drift them away and draw them away from us? And, and, and we have a church full of people. Somebody needs to come forward and say, I'll do it. I don't know how to do it, but I'll do it. You don't need to know how to do it, by the way. God already knows how to do it. He just needs a doer. He doesn't need a knower. He needs a doer. He knows it all. We just have to do it. We need to get involved. We need to get involved. Give thanks. Are you thankful tonight? Are you thankful for your salvation? Are you walking worthy of the Lord? Do you acknowledge to God his sovereignty and salvation? Are you applying the principles of God to your life? Are you helping the brethren, aiding God's people, loving his children as we become? Are you thankful for your salvation tonight? Are you thankful tonight for, for your church? Are you thankful tonight for your family? Are you thankful for ministry? Let us leave this place tonight and let's examine our own hearts and ask ourselves, do we really appreciate what God has given us? And if we really do appreciate it, are we doing what we ought to do? Are we doing all that we can do for God in this place? Or are we just doing enough to get by? Why be a C student? when God has given you the ability to be a valedictorian. All it takes is a little work, just a little effort. God says, you just do a little bit and I'll do the rest. Let's pray just for a moment. I'm not going to have an invitation, but let's just pray and then we'll, we'll dismiss. Father, thank you for this night. Lord, we do thank you for all these things. We do thank you for our salvation and our blessed Savior. And Lord, we acknowledge to you tonight that you are sovereign in grace, that you chose us before the foundation of the world. We don't know why, we don't understand why, but Lord, we, we praise you and thank you for it. We pray you'd give us the strength and the courage to go out and preach the gospel that all those that you have chosen may hear and will we'll, we'll turn to you. Thank you, Lord, for our families tonight. Thank you for our wives and husbands and children. Help us, Lord, to love our families as we should and, and, and to involve ourselves and to hold ourselves accountable as families for righteousness. 
Thank you for our church. Thank you for this church that you've established. Help us to never take it for granted. Help us to serve in this place and to, to labor and love this church as you did. You, you died for this church, Lord. And help us to love it so. And help us to love the ministry you've given us, the opportunities to serve. And help us to never be satisfied with simply sitting in the pew and watching and observing. But Lord, stir our hearts so that we might get involved, so that we may do something in this place, to be a part of this work. And Lord, we'll thank you and praise you for all these things. We deserve nothing, but you've given given us all things. So we praise your holy name. Thank you for all of this, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's stand.